Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Turn to your neighbor and say, who do you think you are? Really important that we know the answer to that question. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, struggle with who they truly are because they've never maybe understood who they are in Jesus Christ. And so today, uh, we want to continue with that theme. And uh, man, my wife, Michelle, she knocked it out of the park last week. That message is so big. It was so, so big to, to, to really wrap our minds around because those five things that she talked about are really just faith-building, life-building, identity-building blocks that really shape our identity. And so if you've missed the message, I hope you'll go back and watch that because it truly is such an, an integral part of our lives to understand, but most importantly, the truths that we live out from those five things that really does shape our identity. Well, today I want to continue with this theme on our identity in Christ by telling you a real true story that happened to our church a number of years ago. Now, for those of you that may be new to Rethink Life, um, don't know a whole lot about our, our church history, and that's one of the reasons why we have what we call our welcome party. I'll be do, we'll be doing the welcome party immediately after the service today. You can learn more about that. But many people don't realize this, but we're a 23-year-old church. Now, that's a big deal uh, on so many different levels. We were a portable church for many, many years, still are portable at this point. But there was a season for 14 years, we actually met in a storefront, a shopping center on the north side of the airport in the conway Belle Isle community. In fact, there was a shopping center there that all of the stores in in, uh, inside the shopping center, they all have glass along the front. So we met in that shopping center. Uh, we had some space that we had renovated, and that's where we actually met for our church services. Well, throughout the course of those 14 years, we were broken into number of times. I'm talking about things such as smash and grab. They literally would take like bricks or cinder blocks, would throw them through the glass. They would break in get anything and everything they could, and then they would bolt. And, of course, we were there to have to clean up the mess, and it was crazy. And uh, just broken into countless times, they would either do a smash and grab, or they would come through the back and uh, try to get in and out as quickly as they could. And, of course, we had an alarm system that would always, you know, tip the police and, and uh, notify if there was a break-in. And because uh, we lived closest to the shopping center, uh, usually if there was an emergency or a break-in, I would be the one notified. And I'll never forget, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know why, but these knuckleheads that break in, they always like to pick between 2 and 3 a.m. And I get the phone call, and of course, it, at the time, it was the, uh, the police department, and it was also our security, our monitoring system, that was notifying us that there had been a break-in. So I get up, I you know, throw on some clothes, I, I head to the church, and of course there's police cars, there's lights everywhere, and I'm thinking to myself, what in the world, why are these guys breaking into our church? And so the police officer, in fact, the, one of the, the main like deputy sheriff that was there, he actually walked me through the building. And he wanted me to understand what they had already accomplished in the moment. He said there were three guys, and uh, he said, I'm convinced we, ha we have it on camera because we actually had like surveillance cameras uh, there at the shopping center, and uh, we could go back and watch the tape, you know, from uh, the film from those security uh, cameras. But he was convinced because there were three uh, individuals that broke into our church, and they were able to catch one of them, and the other got away. And the other one went inside, and they searched the entire premises, looked everywhere, but could not find the third individual. So again, one got away, one was caught, he was in the squad car, 
And as the police chief and I was, we were walking through all of the, the rooms, I mean, looking in every closet. I mean, we looked everywhere, could not find a third person. The, the police officer was convinced he was still inside the building, but we couldn't find him. So we happened to stumble upon our custodial closet that was really kind of in a tucked away place. And we saw that there was a lot of stuff everywhere. And we saw ceiling tile that had been removed from the top of the closet. And the, the police officer said, that's where, he's, that's where he is. So they, they called for some more backup. They, they, they came, they got a ladder, they went up into the ceiling with the flashlight, you know, looking for this person that was up there. And sure enough, they couldn't find him anywhere. So what had happened, after about an hour of searching, again, one got away, one was in the squad car, and one was missing somewhere inside the church. Somewhere. It was an eerie feeling. So everybody cleared out. And we were getting ready to lock everything back up. And the police officer said, here's what we're going to do. He said, I'm convinced that person is still somewhere in the building. And when we all leave, if and when he comes out, we'll know because he will trip the alarm. Well, the very next morning, about 6.30 a.m., just about the time the sun was about to come up, sure enough, I get another phone call, and sure enough, that person inside the building had rushed out the front door, and as a result, he had tripped the, the alarm. And so all of a sudden, everybody races back to the shopping center, and of course, this, this time, the guy had already gotten away. He'd already, he'd already, he had his cell phone, and what had happened was, is he had actually crawled up, I'm talking about like deep into the rafters, and there was only probably about this much space. But he had crawled way up into the rafters, had hid, slept in there overnight, and then he literally jumped through the ceiling into one of our rooms. He took off and he ran out the front door. It was a mess. It was crazy. i never forget the night before, I walked out to the squad car and I actually spoke to the other individual that they caught. And I'll never forget, I looked at this guy because he's in the back seat. He's got handcuffs on, you know, on his wrist, and they have the little cage, you know, uh, you know, in front there that separates the back seat from the front seat where the, where the police officer is. And he's sitting there with his hands cuffed, and I said, bro, I said, what were you thinking? And here's what the guy did. He looked at me. He goes, I swear, man, I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know what's crazy about that situation? And you may be asking yourself the question, what's the point of the story? Because I'm convinced that many of us have been broken into. I'm convinced that for many of us, and we don't even realize this, there's been a smash and grab attempt. Where the enemy has tried to take something from you. He's tried to rob you from something that God has given to you. And sadly and unfortunately for a lot of us, we do not even realize that we have a real enemy, an adversary, who has one agenda. And that is to steal, kill, and destroy. There is an actual mission statement in the Bible from the devil. It's found in John 10, verse 10, and it goes like this. The enemy, Satan, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But, it goes on to say, but Jesus has come to give life and to give it to us so that we can experience life to the full. Sadly and unfortunately, rather than people living that full life of victory, confidence, security, security in who they are in Christ, what happens a lot of times is that a lot of people, they're living their lives handcuffed. They're in bondage. They're incarcerated. And the reason why is simply because they have believed the lies of the evil one who has tried to rob them from the very thing that God has come to give them. And you know what he does? Oftentimes, he hangs out in the ceiling of our mind. The ceiling of our mind. In other words, what happens, I call them rats. 
Rats just run rampant in the ceiling of our minds, in the attic of our minds. You say, what do you mean? Rats, really awful thoughts. That's what they stand for. And what happens is that we allow these thoughts to come inside of our minds and inside of our hearts. And, and as a result, again, we allow the enemy to put handcuffs on us. We allow the enemy to rob us. You see, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to rob you from what God has intended to give you. He wants to, he wants to, to come along and he wants to, to, to steal, not only steal and rob, but he wants to ultimately destroy. So he's come to steal, he's come to kill, he wants to kill the potential that God has placed inside of you, and he wants to destroy your hopes and your dreams and everything that is important to you. Now, all of this that I'm talking about today, when it comes to this whole issue of identity, is something that we need to understand because it's real. And again, we have a real enemy, and he wants to do everything he can to keep you from being who God created you to be. Now, this is nothing new. It all began in the very beginning of creation. In fact, if you have your Bibles or you can turn, in, uh, turn on our, our app there in your phone if you have it, and you can follow along with me in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read it. It will be on the screen. You can follow along. But here is what the Scripture teaches us when it comes to identity theft. This is where it all went down. It took place in the Garden of Eden. And it says in verse 1 in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, which is the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Once again, that's God's command that he simply gave to Adam and Eve. And then serpent comes along and he says, you won't die. That's what he said to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they, were so, and they, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed, sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. And I was afraid because I was naked. And God said, well, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman. <laughs> Guys are always blaming the ladies. It was the woman you gave me who, who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? And notice her response. The, certain, the serpent, the devil, deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate it. There are four facts that you need to know about our adversary, the devil. Number one is this. Satan is an attacker. He's an attacker. And what does he attack? He attacks your heart with doubt. It's exactly what he does. It's interesting because there in verse 1, notice, did God really say? That's what the enemy was saying. To the woman, he said, did God really say that you could not eat from the fruit of these trees? 
Now, he did not deny that God had spoken to her. But notice what he did. Satan simply planted, the serpent planted seeds of doubt in her heart. It's exactly what he did. You see, what he wanted to do in the very beginning, because remember, the devil wanted to be God. That's the reason why he got kicked out of heaven. He wanted to be God. He wanted, because he was so full of himself, so full of pride, he wanted to be God. He wanted people to bow down and worship him. He wanted people to submit to him. But as a result, here he is now in the form of the serpent. He's in the garden. And because of his deception, what does he do? He plants seeds of doubt in Eve's heart. In other words, what he wanted to do is he wanted to put a question mark on the truth and the authority of the Word of God. And that's exactly what the enemy is doing today, now more than ever. You see, many people don't realize it, but if the devil can get you to question God's truth, if the devil can get you to question whether or not God is somebody to be feared whether or not God is somebody to be obeyed, if, if he can get you to question God's authority and God's word, his truth in your heart, then he knows he's got you. And this is the reason why it's so important. Because the moment we start to question the goodness of God, it's easier to, to disobey the will of God. I'll repeat that. You ought to write that down. The moment we start to question the goodness of God, it's easier to disobey the will of God. So what happened was, as that, is that the, the forbidden, what God says don't do, don't touch, don't eat, suddenly became the desirable. Because when Eve saw the fruit and saw what it could do, saw perhaps what it was that God was maybe withholding from her, all of a sudden, like I said, what was forbidden now suddenly became desirable. In other words, she forgot something that was so important. And that was the fact that she was already created in the very image of God. You see, God had created a perfect world. He had placed Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. Every single need in their life, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, every single need was already met. Everything was provided. Everything was taken care of. God even gave them authority over everything. And yet Satan comes along, and what does he do? He puts a big question mark, and he said, did God really say? Did God really do? Did God really mean? And all of a sudden, those seeds of doubt begin to take root in her heart. So let me ask you a question today. Do you ever find yourself questioning the validity of the Bible? Do you ever find yourself questioning certain things are right, certain things are wrong? Because the norm today is to conform. You just be you. You know your own truth. Just be true to you. Listen, you know, if it feels good to you, hey, as long as it's not hurting anybody, what could be wrong with that? Which leads me to the next thing that, the Satan, that Satan does. He not only attacks us by, by attacking us, attacking our hearts with doubt, but Satan is a deceiver. So he deceives our mind with lies. In verses 4 and 5, notice what he did. He said, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. You know what's sad and unfortunately? Is that again, the devil likes to take a truth, and he likes to distort it. He likes to twist it. He likes to pervert it. And what he likes to do is he likes to take that truth and turn it into a lie, so that we will begin to not only internalize the lies, but begin to justify the lies through the things that we suddenly find ourselves believing and doing. What's crazy is that, again, we live in this culture today where everyone does what is right in their own eyes. 
People make decisions. I'm talking about life-altering decisions just based on how they feel. How in the world, why in the world would you want to make life-altering decisions? I'm talking about maybe who you're going to who you're going to date, who you're going to ma- who, who's going to be your mate, you know, who you're going to marry, you know, what, what kind of what kind of, you know, choices you're going to make when it comes to things you do and ultimately who you become. Why in the world would you want to make those kind of massive decisions in your life based on how you feel? Man, if I made decisions, especially big decisions based on how I feel, that'd be dangerous, right? I mean, all you got to do is eat a really bad pizza the night before, and you're not going to feel so good the next morning, right? You're going to be in a bad mood, man. You're not going to feel good. And yet we make decisions oftentimes based on how we feel. Or we justify it by saying, but yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. He makes me feel this way. Or she makes me feel this way. Or I just feel that it's right because it's not really hurting anybody. And I just feel that this is true for me, right? I mean, this is all the stuff we hear in our present culture. And so therefore, we've watered down truth. And what have we done? We've taken truth and we've twisted it. We've perverted it, and now we've changed it into a lie. And now the lies have become truth in our hearts and in our minds, and again, the mind will justify what the heart believes. So if we believe lies, then we will rationalize in our minds that it's okay, because God wants me to be happy, right? How many of you believe God wants you to be happy, right? I mean, does that's all God wants. He just wants you to be happy. He doesn't want anybody to be sad or angry. He just wants us to be happy all the time, right? Right? He just wants you to be happy. And if God is God of love, which he is, then love is love, right? He just wants everybody to be happy. So whatever love means to you, as long as you're happy, that's all that God really cares about is that everybody just is happy. Come on, everybody just say on the count of three, let's be happy. One, two, three. Let's be happy, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be happy? Just do what comes right. Do what feels right. Just do what's natural to you. However you feel, if it's natural to you, then it must be true. Wow. Man, we have gotten jacked up big time. In our culture, in our world today. Why? Because Satan is an attacker. He attacks the heart with doubt. Satan is a deceiver. He deceives your mind with lies. And then number four, Satan is the destroyer. He destroys your life with bad choices. I'm telling you, there is a process. And listen, don't you think for a moment that the devil doesn't know what he's doing. Again, the guy knows what he's doing. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care about your happiness. He doesn't care about your hopes. He doesn't care about your dreams. He doesn't care about your marriage. He doesn't care about your, your family, your future, your kids. He could give a flying rip. He's got one agenda, and that's to keep you anything but from being happy. So what does he do? He puts that little carrot before your eyes. And what does he do? He puts lies in your heart. He tries to distort. He tries to twist it. Again, he, he's trying to help you to understand that life is all about being happy. So therefore, if I get married, then my husband is supposed to make me happy. If I get married, then my wife is supposed to make me happy. But if he doesn't make me happy or she doesn't make me happy, then it's their fault. Because I'm supposed to be happy. And we justify. And we rationalize. And we start building our case. Because every time they fall short of that expectation, then what does the devil do? He comes and whispers in our ear. And he says, I told you, the guy's a jerk. You, should, you shouldn't have married him from the first, from the first place. Or, 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 or we begin to stack up this argument. See, if she, if she really loved me, she wouldn't do this. If she really cared, she wouldn't say those things. All of a sudden, we start doing that as kids. We start looking at our parents. We start finding fault. And we say, well, if they don't care, or if they don't, if they don't this, or they don't that, well, I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And all of a sudden, we begin to rebel. Why? Because all of a sudden we begin to believe the lies. 
And we've allowed Satan to twist and to, to, to distort and to pervert the lies so much so that, again, we begin to rationalize and justify why it's okay to make decisions that ultimately destroy our lives. It's all a part of Satan's scheme. Notice what it says there in verses 6 and 7. The woman was convinced. <laughs> she was convinced that when she saw the tree and it was beautiful, man, she saw how delicious that fruit could could potentially be and man she wanted the wisdom she wanted to be like god again she had forgotten her identity her identity was already rooted in who she was in the eyes of god she was fearfully and wonderfully made god made her exactly the way god designed her to be and yet she had been twisted and she had been perverted by the enemy's lies to the point that what did she do she took a piece of fruit and she ate it and she not only made a decision to eat it herself she looked at her husband and said you ought to try this this is the most amazing fruit i've ever had in my life and the husband's going wow let me have some too and then he takes it and what happens he takes the bait he takes the fruit he eats the fruit for himself and then in that moment their identity was stolen in that moment, everything that God had intended, everything perfect that they had known up until that moment suddenly was gone. And what did they do? When the reality hit, they went and hid. And that's what sin does. Man, we just want to go hide because we're afraid. And that's what Adam said when God questioned, hey, where are you? What did he do? They covered themselves because they realized they had been exposed. They hid from God because they were fearful of the judgment. They were fearful that they were going to be punished. And that leads me to the last thing that the devil does. Listen to this. He is the accuser. And notice what he does. He accuses our emotions with accusation. So once we make a mistake, once we fall, once we feel the insecurity of our lives, once we're no longer happy, then the devil, he will use two things. He will either use pleasure to entice us to make bad decisions, or he'll use pain in our lives, hurt, difficulties in our lives, to cause us to make bad decisions. And what happens? He gets us to a place where we're handcuffed. All of a sudden, we're living in a self-imposed prison, living in bondage. Why? Because our identity has been stolen. I mean, he took a smash and grab at taking something that didn't belong to him. And that is the identity, the security, the confidence that originally God intended for all of us to have in being in a right relationship with him. And so therefore, the destroyer wants to do everything he can to get us to make bad decisions so that, you know what he does? The Bible calls him, calls, us, he calls the devil as the accuser of the brethren. He's the father of lies. In fact, the devil doesn't even know how to speak truth because everything that comes out of his mouth, according to the Bible, speaks nothing but lies. So when we hear the lies and we believe the lies and we act on those lies, then the very first thing, the moment we make a bad decision and obey the will of God, guess who shows up? The devil. And points his finger at you and points his finger at me and says, what a loser. I told you. You didn't amount to anything. I told you, you didn't have any confidence. Listen, you deserve to be punished. You deserve to live a life of misery. You don't deserve to be happy. Why in the world would God want you to be happy when you are such a failure in life? All those people that said things about you, hey, it's all true. Everything that you've encountered in your life, it's all true. And what happens is we begin to believe the lies that once again, that every that the world and the devil is throwing it out, throwing at us is all true. Well, I'm here to tell you something today. The devil is a liar, and he has no place 
in our space, in our mind, and in our hearts, and in our lives, and in our marriages, and in our homes, and with our kids, and in our schools, and our society. Let me tell you something. The devil is a liar, and because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live in defeat any longer. We can live in victory because of the resurrection power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So don't play the game the devil wants you to play because he is a liar listen he is a deceiver he's an attacker he is a destroyer and he wants nothing but for you to live a life in bondage and i just want to help you today break free from all that because i think today for many of us we fail to realize according to first peter 5 8 that there is a real enemy the bible calls him a enemy the devil but he's like a roaring lion the scripture says he prowls around looking for someone to devour and the very first thing that he wants to do is he wants to place seeds of doubt toward in your heart toward god his truth his word his authority he wants to do everything he can to attack you with that to deceive you turning truth into lies he wants to do everything he can to get you a place where you make bad decisions hurtful decisions harmful decisions why because he is the destroyer he wants you to experience nothing and he's always going to be there to condemn you to point his finger at you and to accuse you for the person that you have become well i want to turn that around today because i believe through jesus christ we can live a life of freedom you see the enemies come so that we can live a life in bondage to him but Jesus has come so that we can live in freedom because of what he has done for our lives. Amen? So number one is this. How do we reclaim our true identity? Is we have to admit the lies we are believing. Listen, behind every self-defeating behavior in our life is a lie that we are believing. That's so important for you to understand. 1 John 1.8 says it this way. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Sadly, a lot of people who even claim to be Christians still believe lies about themselves, about God, about other people, rather than seeing the truth and owning the truth in their own hearts and lives. Remember the guy that was in the back seat of the car who had his hands cuffed? I'll never forget <laughs> when I looked at that guy and he looked at me and I could tell this guy in his mind he was innocent. But it was obvious the guy was as guilty as a dog. And yet when I asked him, bro, what were you thinking? He simply denied a truth. He denied something that was factual. The guy was guilty. And yet for many of us, we deny the truth if we choose to embrace the lies. And the only way that we can reclaim our true identity in Jesus Christ is to come to that place where we are willing to admit the lies that we have been believing. So today, John 8, verses 31 to 32, is something that we need to embrace. Because here's what Jesus said. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You want to know how you can live a life of victory? How you can live a life of true freedom in your, in, in your life, in your marriage? Listen, in, in, in every aspect of your life, the only way you can truly live a life of victory and freedom is, listen, it's right there, it's found in the scripture, is by remaining faithful to the teachings of God's word. So the more you're in the word of God, and the more of the word of God gets inside of you, guess what? Now all of a sudden, you have truth 
living in you, and not just living in you, but you are now walking in the truth, and because you're walking in that truth, and you're able to see truth, and you're able to call out lies, now all of a sudden, you're living in the truth and walking in the truth. Therefore, the truth is what is setting you free from the bondage the enemy has used to hold you back. So we're either believing the lies or we are living out and walking out the truth that sets us free. Number two, we have to replace the lies with the truth. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says it this way, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the, than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, the word of God is like a surgeon's scalpel. And it cuts quickly. It, it, cl- it cuts sharply. It cuts deeply into the secret places of our heart, secret places of our lives that exposes things that are not right. And what we have to understand is that when we want to live this life of victory, not only do we need to admit the lies that we've been, been believing, but we got to replace those lies with the truth. And the truth will show us what is contrary, what is a contradiction to what God's Word teaches us to do. So, so what we... The, the, what, the, the truth of God's word will expose the lies that are contrary to the truth of God's word. So we got to replace the lies with truth in our hearts and lives. How do we do that? 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. We are human, the scripture says, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. And we capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So you remember those rats that I talked about earlier, the really awful thoughts? You remember the, what we allow to kind of just roam freely in the ceiling of our minds? We have to call those out. And not only call them out, but listen, we've got to replace those lies, those really awful thoughts, with truth. So anytime we find ourselves maybe feeling unlovable, unforgivable, unacceptable, incapable, whatever lies we're internalizing and believing, we got to call those out and we got to replace those lies with truth. How do we do that? By taking the Word of God and literally using the Word of God as a scalpel, as a sword. By literally taking the authority of Scripture and allowing the authority of Scripture to take control over the thoughts and the, the, the lies that the enemy is using to sabotage our lives, that keeps us in bondage. So we got to know the truth so that the truth can set us free. So we not only have to admit the lies that we're believing and replace the lies with truth, but we have to renew our minds daily. Change always starts with choosing. Because when we get up every day, we get to make a choice. And the choice is, I'm either going to believe the lies, or the choice is, I'm going to live the truth. It's our choice. God doesn't force himself on us. He wants us to enjoy the relationship and the freedom we have with him and trust him to do what we can't do it our own. And how we do that is by walking each and every day in community, in fellowship, listen, in intimacy with God. And how we do that is by spending time with God. And we renew our minds each and every day. Romans 12, 2 says it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But notice, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So if you want to be transformed in your life, listen, it begins by renewing the mind. And how do we do that? Each and every day, we call out the lies. Each and every day, we embrace truth. And we allow the truth to be the power source of our lives so that when we're walking in the truth, now we have the opportunity to see things 
and to be able to make decisions based on the truth of God's Word because the Word of God is now readily available in our hearts and in our minds because we're being renewed each and every day. Come on, somebody. Is this helping anybody? It's so important. This is just so important that we realize the enemy wants to sabotage us. But Jesus has come so that we can live a life of freedom. I want to read something to you today. And I'm going to close after I read this in a word of prayer. And I don't know where you are right now in your current situation and circumstances. Because at the end of the day, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that many of us are walking through all kinds of stuff. I know that some of you are teenagers, you're students. Middle school, high school, maybe college students. And sadly and unfortunately, you are being challenged on all levels. Listen, truth, the Word of God, listen, Christianity, all of these things right now are being challenged. And every single day, young people all over the country are making decisions, life-altering decisions based on lies, based on deception, based on feelings and emotions. And maybe you're in a situation as a couple, and you're going through a real difficult season right now. And you're questioning, questioning your ability. You're questioning your identity. Listen, you may be somebody here today, and you've gone through all kinds of painful situations and circumstances. You've made some mistakes. Man, there's some hurts. There's some habits. Man, there's some, there's some stuff and some junk in your life that maybe was, was true about you years and years ago. But listen, your past does not define your future. You need to understand, listen, Christ, Jesus, is who defines who you are and defines your, your future. You are not what you did. You are who Jesus Christ says you are. And you need to know that you are lovable and you are forgivable. Listen, you are acceptable. You are capable of being everything that God has created you to be. So if you ever find yourself in a situation and you're questioning God, or you're questioning the voices in your mind and in your heart. If you ever find yourself dwelling on your own insecurity and how you feel about yourself, about your situation, your circumstances, if you ever find yourself internalizing what other people have said about you, if you ever find yourself feeling very insecure and you lack confidence to move forward in your life about anything. I don't care if it's spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational. Fill in the blank. It doesn't matter. Here's some ways you can, you can, you can renew your mind each and every day. So if you ever find yourself being discouraged. And I know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I know there are people watching today. And people in this room today, you're walking through a season of discouragement right now. Life is hard. You're between a rock and a hard place. It could be a financial situation. It could be a health situation. Listen, it could be a job situation. Whatever it is that has you defeated and discouraged, here's what Psalm 43 verse 5 says. Why am I discouraged, David said. Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Shift the focus away from the lies, away from what the devil wants you to believe unto the truth of the Word of God. Renew your mind. If you're feeling anxious, you're stressed, you're worried, you are fearful of a lot of things that are beyond your control. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, to present your request to God. To God. Go to Him. And what will He do? And the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. If you're going through some challenges in your family, your marriage, if your family is under attack, 
Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon forged against me will prevail. And listen, we will talk down and we will cast out every lie that the enemy is trying to get me to believe. Joshua 24, verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord no matter what the devil tries to do to us. you find yourself down and you say to yourself I don't have what it takes I don't think I can go another day life can't get any worse than what I'm going through right now Galatians 6 9 says so let's not get tired of doing what is good why because just at the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up don't quit in the dip keep on keeping on Listen, we have a good God. And again, the moment you take the goodness of God for granted is the very moment we allow ourselves to disobey the will of God for our lives. You're in a place today and maybe you're facing a difficult medical diagnosis. Maybe the doctors have written it off. and People have told you, listen, you need to make preparations. You need to get your house in order. Your days are limited. Your days are numbered here on earth. I got a friend, Harry, who's sitting here today, and I guarantee you he would debunk that lie in a second. He would agree with what the Scripture says. <laughs> Jeremiah 32, 17 says that there is nothing too hard for God. Listen, the medical doctors can say no, but God can say yes. He can defy medical science. Why? Because he is a good God, and he can do the impossible. He can. He can. Are you standing in the fork of the road right now, and you just really don't have a clue on what your next move is? You're unclear. You're uncertain about your next step. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do and He will direct your steps. I promise you He will. If you find yourself in a situation where you're just carrying a lot of guilt because of things you've done, things in your past, and I just remind you, that is your accuser. And he is accusing your emotions, and he's pointing his finger at you, and he wants you to stay down, he wants you to feel down, he wants you to believe that your life is over because you deserve to be where you are. But here's what Jesus reminds us of. Paul said in Romans 8, 1, So now <laughs> there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Amen? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ doesn't see our sin? No. He sees who we are because he died for us. He spilt his blood for us. If you find yourself in a situation where maybe your relationships are in, maybe your relationships are in trouble, you're, you're going through some difficulties, and maybe in your marriage, maybe one of your kids, is, maybe, maybe they've made some bad decisions in their life, can I just remind you today, hey, go read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, because the first thing it's going to remind you is this, love is patient. Love is patient and endures all things. You see, we have a real enemy. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and experience it to the full. The devil wants to smash and grab. He wants to take what Jesus has come to give you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is for us, then who in the world can be against us? And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, I want to encourage you to walk out these doors with your head held high. I want you to walk out these doors not only being secure in who you are in Christ, but whose you are in Christ because you have been bought, you have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to God, and you are who God says you are. You are a child, you are a son of the son and a daughter of the Most High God. And so today, 
Today, that is the truth that we need to embrace. That is the truth that we need to live out. That is the truth. And that truth is what will set us free. Would you join me in a word of prayer today? As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment. I just want to say to those of you here today who maybe have allowed the enemy to sow seeds of doubt, to convince you to believe the lies. Maybe he's turned some truth into lies and you've internalized those lies. And maybe today you've made some decisions. Maybe you've done some things that you wish you would have never done. Some things you've regretted. Maybe you've even done some things to yourself. And the devil wants to accuse you. He wants to condemn you. He wants to remind you that you're unworthy of God's love and forgiveness. You're unworthy of ever living a life of freedom. You deserve to be where you are. I just want to say today, if you're here today and you've ever thought those thoughts, if you've ever believed those lies, if you've ever found yourself in that situation, can I just, and if you know Jesus as your Savior, but yet you still struggle in those areas of your life, can I just encourage you today? Reject those lies and embrace who God has made you to be. Just simply admit to God today, say, God, I'm sorry, I'm, I have taken my eyes off of you. I put the focus on myself. I bought into the lies of the evil one. And just tell God today that you are reclaiming your identity in him. That you're going to walk out of here in victory, no longer living a life of defeat. And if you're here today and Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus and maybe you just, you just don't have a relationship with him. Can I just encourage you right now, right where you are once and for all, would you be willing to embrace Jesus? Invite him into your life by faith to forgive you and to change you from the inside out. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.